Good morning, everybody. Well, welcome to Epic. My name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we are in part two of a Christmas series called Christmas Waiting. And as you saw in that video, we're, we're talking about Advent. We're talking about all that goes along with, with Christmas and the Advent season. And a big part of the Advent season is this thing called waiting. You know, from, a, from a spiritual standpoint, Advent kind of points in two directions. Advent points back to the waiting that humanity did for Jesus to be born on planet Earth. And it also points to the waiting that we're doing now as we look to the future and we're waiting for God to come back. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. So it gives us those two perspectives as we wait. And if you think about Christmas in this season, there's a lot of waiting involved. We wait to buy presents. We wait in long lines to get those presents. We wait to wrap presents. We wait to clean up after we've given presents. We can't wait for family to come in town. We can't wait for family to leave town. Isn't that exciting when they come and then it's exciting to see them go? We, we wait for Christmas services. We wait for Christmas meals. We, again, symbolically wait to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many opportunities for us to wait during the Christmas season. And one of the things we talked about last week is that we're not all that good at waiting. And so I gave you probably one of the hardest challenges I've given in, in a while so that we could practice the spiritual discipline of waiting I encouraged you last week, when you go shopping, to get in the longest line at the checkout and purposely wait. I encouraged you to drive in the slow lane. I encouraged you to drive the speed limit all Christmas season. So I want to check in with you, see how everybody's doing. I'm glad you're here, still alive. You know, I see a few of you are twitching out there um, on the speeding part. So how many of you made it all week long? You didn't speed one mile per hour over the speed limit at all. Anybody? There's one person back here. Okay. Should we clap for him? That is my friend Jeff. Way to go, Jeff. That is awesome. There were like three people in the first service, so you know, just know that we're amongst saints. Okay? So anybody make it to Wednesday? Like you held out all the way to Wednesday. All right, one person made it to Wednesday. Anybody make it to Sunday afternoon? Anybody? Okay, a couple of hands. All right, so did anybody get to the next light after you pulled out and went, darn it, I already failed? Anybody else? Okay, thank you for your honesty. It's good to be honest in church. So let me tell you about my last week. So uh, a friend of mine who's sitting right over here last week after the service, he said, you know, after that, you know, challenge for us all the way, you know, God is going to put you through some extreme waiting this week. And he said that. And I thought, I hope he's wrong. I really hope he's wrong. But he wasn't. He was right. So this past week, I had many waiting opportunities. And every day I had another waiting opportunity and another waiting opportunity and another waiting opportunity. And I would turn around the next day and then, oh, wait, another chance to wait. This is so exciting. And you would think as a pastor, after giving that challenge, I would make the connection and go, oh, this is a moment for me to practice, you know, the spiritual discipline of waiting. And you would think that I would have allowed my, my, myself to be refined by God in that process but I didn't. I got angry. I got frustrated. I, mean, I got impatient and irritated. And, and one of the things that, that God often does in my life is 
he, if there's something I'm teaching on Sunday, God often will take me through a teachable moment or multiple teachable moments so that I can teach out of experience and not just head knowledge. It's super exciting. It really, there's some subjects in the Bible I'm like, I don't know if I want to teach on that one because I know what's coming with it. Like God will bring me teachable moments, and I'm a fan of teachable moments for you. I think you should have one every day. You know, I think you should call me up and say, hey, God's working in my life in some, you know, big ways. It's difficult. It's a struggle, but I just know there's going to be something exciting on the other side. I'm just not excited about when those teachable moments come for me. It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, it's hard when we have to wait. So being that that's how God works in my life, I thought today we would make a shift in conversation. So instead of talking about us waiting on God, I thought today we would talk about God's design for sexual intimacy in marriage. There's like two of you that understand that that's a joke. You know, I was just hoping that, you know, maybe God would allow me to have teachable moments with my wife on that one. Thank you for laughing. The first service went, is he going to be struck by God? Like, can he say that in church? So thank you for laughing. Now that I've totally ruined the message for new people. Um, I used to be the pastor on staff here, and I'm probably looking for a job. So thanks for being here. Okay, so waiting is, is difficult for all of us. It's hard. And we looked at that last week. Even for people who are strong believers in God or have a strong relationship with God, we looked at the story of Adam, not Adam, but Abraham and Sarah last week. And we watched how they even struggled with this whole concept of waiting. God promised to give them a child. And after waiting 10 years, they said, we can't wait any longer. And so they took matters in their own hands and we saw some big consequences come out of that. And Sarah actually convinced Abraham to sleep with her servant, Hagar. Okay, now guys, if your wife or your girlfriend ever suggests that you sleep with one of her friends, let me just tell you, that's not a good idea, ever. Nothing good can ever come from that. And Abraham should have known that. Being this righteous man, of faith. He should have known that. He should have recognized and said, like, not a good move. We're not doing that. But he didn't. Even righteous Abraham wasn't all that righteous when he got tired of waiting. And that's the thing that can happen for us. No matter how long you've been in a relationship with God, no matter how much of the Bible that you know or you think you know, we can all get tired of waiting. And we can give in to some pretty big temptations when we quit waiting on God to work. We can give up and say, I'm not waiting any longer. I'm exempt from waiting. I don't have to wait. I've waited long enough. Everybody else is doing it. I don't have to wait anymore. Now, we're going to have a skit this morning that I need to set up for just a second. We're going to have two young ladies come out, and they're going to do a skit via text. Okay, so they're going to be texting back and forth. So when they come out, just pay attention to them for a second. And then make sure you're looking at the screen, okay? The skit will happen on the screen. So read the screen, and I think it will illustrate how difficult it is for us to wait. Watch this. That is a really weird skit for me, being that one of those girls is my daughter, <laughs> and the other one is her best friend. So give me a second. I got to calm down, drink a drink of water. Okay, 
So what that skit does is it helps to illustrate uh, that, that how difficult it can be to wait. I think we all understand the difficulty of that situation, whether you're a teenager now and you're facing the pressure the world puts on all of us for that, or you're looking back at your teenage years and you understand how difficult that is. So when we came up with this skit, we were looking for something that most of us could identify with and go, oh, I understand that. I understand the tension of that. I understand how difficult that can be. So as a dad and maybe as a parent, as you're watching this, you know, what I want to say to these girls or anyone in this situation is wait, just wait. Don't give in because you think it's a special night. Don't give up on waiting because everybody else is doing that. Don't do that. Don't, don't give up on waiting because you think you've waited long enough. No, wait. It will be worth the wait. Waiting for God's promise, waiting for intimacy in the context of, of God's design for marriage will be worth the wait. But you have to wait to experience that. So today, what I want us to do is I want us to, to learn a little bit about the benefits of waiting. And to do that, what we're going to do is we're going to look at two people in the Bible. They're part of the Christmas story. And they waited for God to work powerfully in their lives. They waited for the Messiah to come and they saw some incredible benefit from waiting. So last week we looked at Abraham and Sarah and kind of their waiting failure. Today we're gonna look at a waiting success and what we should be doing while we wait for God to work in our situation. So our story is found in Luke chapter two. If you have a Bible with you, feel free to flip over to Luke chapter two. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles at the back of each seating section, and every week they're a free gift to you. So if you need one, take one. If you want to give one to someone else, please take one. If you don't have a Bible with you, the verses will come up on the screen. So Luke chapter two, we're going to look at the story of Simeon and then the story of Anna. All right, starting in verse one, it gives us a little context here. It says, at the time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, we read a little bit about King David last week in Psalms 13. He said, how long, O Lord, will you make me wait? I'm going to trust you, God, while I wait. So that's the guy we, we were referring to there. So Joseph was a descendant of King David. So Joseph had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Isn't that amazing? That the creator of the universe shows up on planet Earth and nobody has room for him. So he's got to be born in a stable. Verse 21 says, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of the child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. (laughs) It's another interesting uh, dynamic right there. Jesus being presented uh, to the Lord in that moment. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout man 
and was eagerly waiting. Let me just pause there for a moment and ask you a question. The the text is going to tell us what Simeon was waiting for. But for you, what are you waiting for? This Christmas season, what are you waiting for God to do in your life? Are you waiting for God to work in your finances? Are you waiting for God to work in your relationship? Are you waiting for God to work in your health or the health of someone that you love? What are you waiting for God to do in your life? Now, that verse goes on and it tells us what Simeon was waiting for. He was waiting for the Messiah to come and for the Messiah to rescue Israel. See, Simeon was a Jew. And for hundreds of years, the Jews had lived under oppression of other governments. So other countries actually ruled over them. For hundreds of years, that had been their experience. And at this point, when Jesus was born, the Israelites were under the oppression of the Roman government. And so the Israelites were waiting, like waiting for that day for for, uh, someone to show up and free them from that type of oppression. They they hated that kind of oppression and couldn't wait for someone to come and free them. Simeon patiently waited for that. Why? Because he believed a promise. He believed a prophet. In about 700 BC, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah said that Israel's Messiah would come in the form of a child. Isaiah 9 says a child would be born. And that child would end Israel's slavery and rule with fairness and justice. So the Israelites were eager for that to happen. They were eager for someone to come and free them. But here's the sad reality. Most of them missed it when Jesus came. See, they were looking for a political leader. They were looking for someone who was, had military strength. That's what they were waiting on. You know, someone who's going to show up with, with all their power and, and organize the troops and help them to overthrow the Roman government, that they missed a child and the freedom that that child would bring. It's one of the dangers for us when we're waiting is that we can miss how God is working. We can get so locked into how we want God to work and when we want God to work that God shows up and he is working and we miss it. You know, even a lot of Israelites today, a lot of Jews today are still waiting for a Messiah and they missed it. He came and one day he's coming again. But so in your situation, are you missing what God might be doing? Are you looking at the wrong thing and missing how God might want to work in your specific situation? Well, Simeon didn't miss what God was was doing. He had patiently waited for God to work most of his life. Patiently waited most of his life. Now, there's a misconception, huge misconception within uh, some Christian circles where there are some Christ followers that think that waiting on God means we sit around and do nothing. We just sit around, wait for God to work. Some even think that our waiting kind of exempts us from following God's standards and and living a faithful life as a servant while we wait. And that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Simeon did. That's not what Anna uh, did in, in this next moment as we look at her story. We need to be faithful while we wait. Now, there's this huge tension 
in the Bible as we look at Abraham and Sarah's story. So they got tired of waiting and jumped in and did the wrong thing. There's this other tension, this other extreme where we're over here and we're like, well, I'm just gonna sit around and do nothing. God doesn't want us to do nothing and God doesn't want us to take things into our own hands. So we've got to find what that balance is in that and what God wants us to do while we wait. Well, Simeon and Anna are going to show us this. Okay, so Anna, she was a prophet. She worked at the temple and she was a widow, had been a widow most of her life. She was married seven years. Her husband died. She was a widow the rest of her life and she worked at the temple as a prophet. Now, listen to what a prophet would do. Prophet would confront injustice, teach the Bible, lead people to obedience, would speak the truth no matter what the cost was to them. That was their job, to speak the truth. And Anna, she did her job. Bible says she showed up at the temple every day to do her job as a prophet. She didn't wait around and do nothing. Neither did Simeon. They faithfully served God while they waited. So when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, who was there? Simeon and Anna. Why were they there? Because they were always there. It's what they did. They faithfully served God in the capacity that they had and what they knew that God wanted them to do while they waited for him to work. And that's why it's so important for us to be faithful as we serve God and wait for him. You never know what day God might show up and work in your situation. Could be today. For some of you, your waiting might be over today. That thing you're waiting for, it might end today. It might end next week. It might end next year. But we've got to be faithful while we wait because we never know when God might show up and end our waiting. So if you are waiting on God to do something in your life, how are you doing at waiting? Have you given up? Have you said, I'm just so tired of waiting. I can't wait anymore. I'm just gonna do things my own way. Or have you given up on the things that you need to be doing while you wait? You know, sometimes people say, you know, I'm just not gonna go to church anymore. God just doesn't seem to be working in that way. So I'm just not going to church. I'm not gonna read my Bible. I'm not gonna pray anymore. I'm not gonna serve anymore. I'm not gonna give anymore. We stop the very things that we need to do while we're waiting. Those are the things that help us the most. So we should never set aside something that's gonna help us in the waiting because we're just too frustrated and we're, we're tired of waiting. We need to allow God to use those things to refine us. And here's the reason why God cares so much about this. Why God cares so much about how we wait while we wait. What happens in us while we wait from God's perspective is often way more important than what we're waiting for. What happens inside of us while we wait is often way more important than what we are waiting for. It's that character development that happens while we wait. It's that strengthened faith that happens while we wait. And God uses those things powerfully to help us grow, to be the people that he wants us to be. So we've got to wait patiently and faithfully while God is refining us in that process of waiting. So what do you need to do while you wait? Do you need to start reading your Bible again? Do you need to read it maybe for the first time? Do you need to start serving again? Or maybe get active in serving for the first time? Do you need to ask God for forgiveness and say, God, like, I've been so frustrated. Like, I just need to admit 
Like, I'm wrong. Forgive me. And I want to get back on the right path, living the life that you designed me to live. Or maybe you're new to this whole faith thing and you're a new Christ follower. You're not even sure how you're supposed to be living. So do you need to learn how you should live and then faithfully serve God while you wait on him to work in your life? What do you need to do? Do you need an attitude adjustment like I needed this past week while you wait? What do you need God to do in your life? And what do you need to do while you wait for him to do that? Simeon and Anna faithfully served God while they waited. And finally, their waiting was over. They didn't know when this day would come, but it finally came. And this is just an amazing moment. So Simeon, imagine this. Simeon picks up baby Jesus. So get what's going on probably in Simeon's mind. Okay, so he understands this is God in the flesh, This is God who now lives here. This is God who took human form and he's holding him as a little baby. Like, this is the God who created me. This is the God who created everything that I understand our world has to offer. My next thought, my next breath, everything. And Simeon was holding God in his hands. So he lifted baby Jesus up and he said, Sovereign Lord, now, Let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. So the first words out of Simeon's mouth after holding baby Jesus is, now I can die in peace. But why did he say that? I mean, Israel was still held captive by the Romans. Injustice was still rampant. There was still this heavy oppression over them. So why in the world could Simeon say, now I can die in peace? It's just there's this baby. There's this baby that's been born. It's just there's this promise that's been fulfilled, this promise that goes all the way back to Abraham. This promise has been fulfilled, and Jesus is now here. Isaiah 7, 14 says the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And Simeon understood God was now in Israel's circumstance, in it, in the midst of it. The circumstances hadn't changed all that much, but at the same time, everything was about to change. The same thing happens for us when we invite God into our circumstances, when we invite God into our pain, into our waiting, into our suffering, into our aloneness, into our relational dysfunction, when we invite God into our finances, even though things may not immediately change, somehow everything changes. God is now here. He's now in the midst of our scenario, in the midst of our problems. And so who can help us out? God can. And he says, I'm going to show you the way out. I'm going to show you how to be refined in this process. I'm going to show you how to develop your character, deepen your faith in the midst of this difficult moment. And so Simeon and Anna, they understood this wasn't just a baby. They understood that Jesus was the Messiah and that he would not only bring freedom to Israel, he would bring freedom to the entire world for all of eternity. So listen to what Simeon says to Mary, okay? Verse 34. He says, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. 
And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Imagine someone saying that to you after your baby was just born. Like, how weird is that? It's just a weird statement. What Simeon was talking about is the reality for Jesus, why he was born. The reason that Jesus was born was so he'd live a perfect life that we couldn't live and die a death that we deserved to die. He would take on the sin of the world, my sin, your sin, the the world's sin, stuff that he didn't commit and he would die in our place. Imagine that kind of waiting. Imagine if that was your mission in life and you knew you were gonna live a perfect life and one day you were gonna take the sin of everybody else around you on your shoulders as if you had committed those sins. Imagine that kind of waiting. So often we get frustrated when we're waiting, waiting on God to work, and we, we don't look at the waiting that God does. We don't look at that enough. The Hebrews chapter 12 gives us a glimpse into the type of waiting that Jesus did and his perspective while he waited. Verse two says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Because of the joy that waited beyond the cross, he endured it. And he disregarded its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So Jesus understood. He looked beyond his waiting. He looked beyond his pain and said, there is something worth waiting for. And that is when humanity, God's creation, will be able to be made right in a right relationship with God when they'll have the opportunity to come back into deep faith with him and live forever in a real place called heaven. That will be worth the wait So Jesus looked beyond his waiting. He looked beyond his difficult moment and he waited well. So listen to the encouragement that verse three and verse 12 gives us out of Hebrews 12. Verse three says, when waiting gets difficult, when we're tempted to give up on waiting, we should think about all the hostility Jesus endured from sinful people. So we should think about all that Jesus went through all the waiting that he went through, all the suffering that he went through. We should think about him and how he walked that path, what he did while he waited. And then the verse continues and says, then, then we won't become weary and give up. Then verse 12, listen to this. If you're tired, if you've been waiting a long time, you're not sure you can wait any longer for God to work, listen to this. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. So we should take a new grip. We should strengthen our weak knees. And when we do that, other people benefit, just like when we benefit. We look at at Christ and, and how he walked through his waiting, and we benefit from that. Other people around us benefit when they watch us faithfully serve God in a difficult situation. Somebody at work watches you and goes like, how do you do it? How do you go through what you're going through? Say, I'm waiting and trusting on God that God is going to work. And when they see us faithfully serving God, that encourages them, that strengthens them, that that strengthens their weak muscles and knees and allows them to follow a path that maybe we are following. So there's huge benefits that come to other people when we learn how to wait. So if you're in one of those difficult waiting seasons, I, I encourage you, take a new grip. You're tired. I understand. I get it. You want to let go. I understand but don't. 
Just take a new grip with your tired hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Understand that what God is doing in you is often way more valuable than what you are waiting for. Understand that God is refining you, your character, your faith. He's deepening you. And those things are so incredibly important to God that we be people of deep faith and strong character. How does that happen? When we walk through suffering and pain and we wait for God to work in our lives, like Simeon and Anna did. Isaiah 40 says that our God gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, or another way to say that, is those who wait on the Lord, will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. There are incredible benefits when we learn how to wait on God to work. So as we close, I just have a few action items for us, a few things I think that can help us as we're working on the spiritual discipline of waiting. And first thing is keep working at it. Keep practicing. You're going to have a lot of opportunities throughout this Christmas season and beyond. There'll be all kinds of opportunities for you to work on waiting patiently on God and being faithful while you work. So if you need help with that, as, as many of us do, I know I do on a regular basis. I've got to be reminded of this truth on a regular basis. So I, what I encourage you to do is pick up one of our spiritual growth challenges. You can pick that up at our Connection Center before you leave, or you can download it from our website. It's just a one-page document that helps us dig a little deeper in what we're talking about on Sunday. So use that kind of as your guide this week to help you uh, as you process, how do I wait the way that Simeon and Anna did? Next thing I encourage you to do is invite someone to church next week. So next week is going to be our Christmas service. We're going to have communion. We're going to have kids involved in our Christmas service. And we're going to talk next week about the waiting that God has done and is doing. Again, our perspective often is, man, I'm tired of waiting. It's all about me. And we don't think about the waiting that God does. So we're going to talk about that next week. And I'm going to give people an opportunity to end some of God's waiting and put their faith and trust in Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior so they can spend eternity in this real place called heaven with a God who loves them desperately. So I encourage you to invite somebody. You know, people are often desperate for the, the message of hope that comes in the Christmas message, the Christmas story. So invite somebody to come with you next week. Next, I encourage you to decide what you need to do while you're waiting and do it. Like, what do you need to do? What do you need to do? And if your relationship with someone else has fallen apart, what do you need to do? What do you need to do when your finances are falling apart? What do you need to do when your health is falling apart? Like, what do you need to do when you can't stand your job anymore? Like, what do you need to do while you wait on God? Decide that and then start doing that. If you're not sure what that is, just ask God this week, God, please show me what I need to do. And I am confident God will tell you and he will confirm that. And when he does, make sure that you do that. Now, today, I want to end a little differently than we normally do. Um, and I would like to pray for some of you who are going through a, a very difficult season of waiting. And I know that some of you are in a real a difficult spot, whatever situation it may be, but you, you've been waiting a long time and you're tired, you're worn out, your grip is getting weak, and you need some extra encouragement, some extra support. So what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment, if you're in that spot, I'm going to ask you to stand. 
And I know that may feel a little bit weird, but what I'd like our church family to do is I would like us to gather around you and pray for you. And I would like the people who are close by you to place their hands gently on your back and so we can pray for you. And there's something very symbolic in scripture about laying hands on people and praying for them. So I'd like us to do that as a church family this morning for those of you who are in that spot. Now, if you're new to church and you're like, that's the weirdest thing ever, I don't want people touching me. I get it, I understand. But just know this, sometimes to see results that we don't normally see, we've got to do things we wouldn't normally do. So maybe today is that moment you just got to stand up and say, I need help. I need extra resources. I need, I need the power of prayer. I don't even know if I believe in all that, but I just need something. I need something different than what I've been doing. I need help while I wait. And so it would be a privilege for us as a church family to pray for you. So if you're in that spot and you would like prayer from our church family today, I'm just going to ask you to stand. Great. Thank you for being courageous enough to do that. Anybody else need to stand? Okay. All right, so everybody else, you see the folks who are standing. Lock eyes. Well, you may not be able to lock eyes on them. You may be behind them. But look at them. And then what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to get up out of your seat and move as close as you can to, to one of those people and gently place your hand on their back. If you can't reach them, that's fine. Put your hand on someone else's back. Actually, I'd like everybody to stand at this moment, if you would, all right? So if you need to move out of your seat, go ahead and do that. If you need to find somebody, go do that. If you can, again, if you can't get close, that's fine. Just put your hand on the person next to you. Um, and we'll pray together, okay? All right, so let's pray. God, there are some folks here today that are in a, a very difficult season of waiting. Lord, they're, they're tired. They're worn out. Their grip is getting weak, and they're just not sure that they can hang on. They, they need some extra help, some extra support, they need the power of prayer. They need your power, your divine intervention in their lives. They need you to step in and, and do something powerful in their lives. And they're waiting. They're waiting for you to do that. So Lord, I pray right now for them. I pray that these people who, who have stood to identify that, I pray that they would invite you in to their difficult situation if they haven't already done that. They would invite you into their finances, invite you into their relationship, maybe invite you into their lives for the very first time. There may be somebody here saying like, I need Jesus. So I pray in this moment, they will cry out to you and they will invite you in. And I know that you will. You always respond and you step into our difficult moments. And God, even though as we look around, we leave here, we may say, you know what? Nothing really has changed in this moment. My, I'm still looking at a financial difficulty. I'm still looking at relational struggles. I'm still looking at some health issues. I'm not sure what to do with. Even though those things may still be here, God, we know that you are in our pain. You are in our waiting. And you use that to refine us. You use that to strengthen us in ways that we couldn't be strengthened. You use that to deepen our faith if we will trust you while we wait, if we will say, God, just work in my life. I want to be the person that you want me to be. So I pray that for these people today, that you would work powerfully in their situation. If they need to be healed, I pray they would. 
They need a financial solution. I pray that you would give that. If their marriage is falling apart, I pray that you would help them figure out how to fix that marriage. Their job is leading them down a road that they don't want to be on and they're not sure what to do. Or the health issues, or whatever their issue is, I pray that they would have new hope as they trust in you in the midst of their waiting. God, I'm so grateful to you for the waiting that you have done. And I pray that we would, as Hebrews 12 tells us, we would look to you and watch how you walk through all that difficult waiting and suffering and we would be encouraged and strengthened ourselves while we do that. So Lord, I pray for these that are standing. I pray for all of us as a church family. Lord, as we go out this week and I'm sure we'll have waiting to do, I pray that we would be strengthened in our faith and we would trust you more because of all that you have done for us. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic Church. My name is Chris. I've got just a couple of quick announcements for you before we continue on with our service. First of all, if you're new with us, welcome. I invite you to stop by our Connection Center after service. It's right around the curtains over there. There's a table over there. We'll have somebody manning the table, and they'll be available to answer any questions that you may have. And if not, hey, we get an opportunity to meet you personally. Fantastic. So look forward to seeing you over there after service. And if you are new with us, I just want you to know that we've got some great uh, environments for your children here at Epic. We've got environments that are set specifically to engage babies, uh, newborns. Then we've got another room that's a two and three year old room. And then we go into our pre-K and kindergarten room. And then over in the other building, we've got a great large room that, God bless you, we've got a great large room that, I'm sorry, just out of habit, it just it comes out like that, you know? So our first through fifth graders get together with a great group of volunteers and they have a blast. And all that happens, both of our services, 9.15 and 11 o'clock. And then only at the 11 o'clock service, we have a middle school ministry called Pipeline, and that is grades 6th, 7th, and 8th, and they do a lot of great things over there as well. So make sure you get your kids plugged in over there because these environments were designed for them age appropriately, okay? And uh, like I said, if you're new here and you're kind of checking this whole thing out, you're not really sure your kids are in service with you, fantastic. They're welcome to be here. I do want you to know, though, if they get a little restless, they feel like they got to burn off a little bit of steam, we have a family room that's set back kind of just beyond the curtain over here on the left side as you're walking down the hallway. We are piping in the audio from service into that room. So if you have a little one and you're not ready to put them back there just yet and they kind of want to run around a little bit, feel free to get up during service, pop in over there. You won't miss a beat because the service will be piped in to that room. Now, I'd like to take an opportunity to celebrate our Giving Tree project. Because of you, we were able to help 47 families here at Epic in Flagler County. 47 families. That's a lot of families. And that's not necessarily just one person for family. It's a whole family. So thank you for all that you do. Uh, the families have been so appreciative as, as the gifts were being given to them and the gift cards were being, given, were being given to them. And that was because that's what you gave to be passed on to them. So that was fantastic. Now, continuing with that, because of your generosity, we're gonna provide a bagel breakfast this Wednesday for our law enforcement officers and our dispatchers. So we have three locations in the county, some staff at Epic's gonna to get together Wednesday morning, they're gonna put out a spread of three different locations to show them that we appreciate what they do. And I appreciate that because I'm one of those, so thank you very much for that. Um, 
In addition to that, I just want to let you know all those diapers, all those baby wipes, all those kids' clothes went to good use. They were all put together and brought over to the Alpha Pregnancy Center. And the new moms over there cannot express their gratitude enough. They say thank you from the bottom of their hearts. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being four flagler, as we say here at Epic. You guys are just awesome. Now, if you've been coming to Epic for a while, you call Epic home and you've made a decision because uh, to give a portion of your finances, you say to yourself, I see all these projects going on. I see all these giving opportunities. I want to give back. I want to partner with Epic financially. Well, there's two ways that you can do that. We have giving boxes that are set up behind the seating sections on the tables, those brown boxes. You can utilize those. Or if you'd like to do the electronic thing, you can visit our website, which is www.theepicchurch.com. Click on the little giving tab and you can do that securely online. Now, with that said, let me go over a couple business things with you real quick. Because we're coming to the end of the fiscal year, 2015, if you want your contributions to count towards your tax return, I've got three important dates that you need to know about. If you give here in person, your, your contribution needs to be in by December the 20th. That's next week. If you um, give online, that needs to be done by December the 29th. And if you mail it in, it needs to be postmarked by December 31st. So those dates are there. Uh, while we're talking about the end of the year, let's just go over our December schedule real quick. We're going to have church next week, 9.15 and 11 o'clock will be our Christmas service. So invite your friends, your families, your co-workers, come on, pack the room out. We're going to have a great time with our Christmas service on December the 20th. But the following week, December the 27th, we are taking the week off, giving the staff the week off. We're all going to just kind of either sleep in, go to the beach, maybe visit a new church. No problem at all, you know. Um, and then what we're going to do is we're going to get back together January 3rd, kick off the new year. So Christmas service next week, take a week off. We're getting back together on Sunday, January the 3rd. Got it? Fantastic. Thank you. Okay, what I'd like to do is just pray for the service, and then uh, we'll go ahead and have Trent come out. We'll continue. So God, I just thank you for today. Um, Lord, I just ask as we go through this Christmas season that we remember why, God, we're putting up the lights and the decorations and why we're putting up a tree and, and why we're buying presents. And Lord, it's because we're celebrating you, your birth, your life. And God, I ask you that you never allow us to take for granted what you have given to us. I just thank you so much in the bottom of my heart for all that you have done. So God, just Please bless the service and everyone here today. And I pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.